It's good to see you. Happy to be here. I got dressed this morning. <laughs> easy, easy crowd. Easy crowd. And uh, anyway, I got dressed and all of a sudden I realized it, I'm in all black. I told Cindy, I didn't try to do this, but I'm like doing the Johnny Cash thing. So it wasn't on purpose, but there it is. <laughs> um, for those of you that don't know us, if there's anybody here that doesn't really know who we are, Cindy and I have been missionaries since 1998. We, we continue. We were in the Dominican Republic just this last weekend. Very, very wonderful trip down there. We focus on a lot of counseling and just health in our families, healthy families. We, we believe like these pastors that we work with in other countries, if, their family, if they're healthy and their families are healthy, their churches will be healthy. And that's a big, big connection and big focus for us. So, Pastor James, doing this series on relationships and different types of relationships, asked me if I would finish it up discussing our relationship with our Father, with our Heavenly Father, and what that look, looks like. And in my Christian life, I'm going to tell you some of my story this morning, but I grew up in a, a broken home. And I spent a lot of years in my Christian life stuck. And lots of you know what that's like. You come to church, you get saved, you join the church, you're excited, and you think everything's going to be wonderful. And, and, and often there is a honeymoon season, and it is wonderful for a while. And then all of a sudden you wonder, like, well, why am I still having these problems and these challenges? And then if you've been around even longer, you know, sometimes that can intensi intensify. And... You know, in my case, I was in church every week for 20 years, still battling um, some anxiety disorder and, and some panic attacks and things like that. Many Christians have been in church a long time, and they may be struggling in their marriage. They might be struggling in their relationship with their own kids. Um, it's common. I, you know, I, I've done lots and lots of counseling through the years. Many Christians struggle with fear and anxiety issues. You know, these different kinds of things. Um, one more thing I'd like to mention. Some Christians struggle with a sense of destiny. You know, you, you've been in church for a while and, and you've wondered, have I made a difference in the world? You know, have I come into the calling that God has for me and, and, and made some kind of a difference? You know, sometimes that can be a real battle as we, you know, age and, and you know, have some time walking with the Lord and in church and so forth. So here's the thing. You might be surprised to know that almost all of this ties back to our relationship with the Father. Almost any way that, that, that a Christian can be stuck will almost always tie back to our relationship with the Father. And knowing the role of fathers, number one, and knowing how to relate to a father, number two, are two of the most important things, I believe, that we can learn in our lives. And these are huge things, and sometimes you don't know what you don't know. And that can be extremely frustrating um, when that happens. Living a fathered life is absolutely foundational to healthy relationships, a healthy relationship with ourselves, having healthy, healthy relationships with other people, and knowing how to live a fathered life is key to being an overcomer, to, to being a problem solver, to knowing how to get past the challenges that we face in our lives. You know, fathers 
Ideally, in God's plan, you know, give love, they give security, they give instruction. You know, these are the things that are supposed to occur. And so I was in the situation where I didn't know what I I didn't know. I, I didn't have these things from my earthly father. These things weren't modeled for me, you know, by my earthly father. So I had this eye-opening experience occur. Cindy and I met here at Beaches Chapel. We both joined uh, the church here in 1986. And a couple years later, we were dating. And it was time for me to really meet her father, which was a very scary, uh, male authority in general was scary. Meeting her father was really scary. He was an engineer. He, to me, appeared to be successful. He typically wore a sports coat, you know, dressed well, good looking, good job. And yeah, I mean, just, you know, in every way that I could be intimidated, I was intimidated. And uh, so we meet her parents and and we go out to dinner together and and we're driving back afterwards. And Cindy and I are in the backseat of the car. Her parents are in the front. And all of a sudden, I have a very, very strange feeling. Something just feels very odd to me, and I couldn't put my finger on it. And we're riding, and, and a, few, a few minutes go by, and it kind of dawns on me, nobody's afraid. Like I could, Cindy sitting next to me, talking, laughing, joking, sharing in a natural way with her mother and her father, just as relaxed as, I mean, I couldn't deny it. I saw, I mean, she wasn't afraid of her dad. Not only had I never experienced not being afraid when you're around a male father type authority, I'd never experienced it, but the first time I do experience at age 24, it feels strange to me. Like, I, I like, wow, what is this feeling? Like, this, you know, I'm not, I'm not used to this. And so in my, my childhood, I, I had experiences of both fear and abandonment which are generally the two primary ways that, that someone can experience abuse or trauma or pain, you know, in their childhood. And so I got to know Cindy's dad some. Unfortunately, he passed away of cancer a few years later, but I had some time with him. And obviously, I've heard Cindy tell many stories through the years. And her dad, you know, he was just a good guy. And nobody's perfect, right? But, but he was, a, you know, all in all, a, a really, really good guy. He was patient. Uh, Cindy would tell stories of going out to his uh, workshop where he'd be working on blueprints. And she'd lean on, you know, Dad, what you doing? What, what's that line right there? And why did you draw that little part over there? And what's that mean? And, you know, he's working, trying to get a project done. But, but to hear Cindy tell it, he would never be impatient. He would take all the time in, in the world and just... Oh, well, honey, I put this line here because of this, and this is what this over here means. And, and you know, just, just very, very patient and, and loving and, and quality time and, and a sense of, of security. You know, you're not af- afraid of a, of a father like that, right? You know, there's nothing that's making you afraid. You feel very comfortable. You feel, you feel very relaxed. At the same time, he was loving and safe, but he was also instructive, which I think is very, very key. So there was a time where they had a nursery out in Orange Park, and the whole family would go out, and everybody would work in the nursery. And it wasn't a question of whether you would do work when you, when you got there, right? 
Um, you couldn't complain or whine and get out of it. The whole family was going to be working in the nursery that day. You know, or she'd get home from school and want to go out and play in the street with her friends. Um, but she had to do homework first and chores first. That was required. That's how her parents raised her. So, so you know, her father was there in a, in a loving and patient way, but he was also instructive and helped develop things in her that would help her, you know, to learn later in life to overcome challenges. Right? Does that make sense? You know, this is the role of a father. So if you grew up with fear and judgment, if there was a, you know, if, if you couldn't take a step without potentially being judged uh, by your father, you know, that typically leaves social challenges, a healthy relationship with ourselves and with other people. And or if you grew up with abandonment, maybe there was outright absence, just no father in the home, or maybe there was a father, but not a lot of availability. There it is. Uh, Emotionally, I got that one out. Or even just a lot of lack of, of boundaries. That can communicate a sense of abandonment to a child. Um, it seems like to a certain degree in today's parenting, it's almost a thing like not to overly challenge our kids and protect them from all pain. You know, and, and what happens is that, that you're, you're preventing them from maturing and growing if that happens. And, and oftentimes, if there's just a, an extreme lack of boundaries, kids will end up with like this unidentified sense of, of anger. I can remember when, when our son w- was a kid, he, w- he would, you know, mostly just, you know, he was a good kid. We didn't have a lot of problems, but occasionally, you know, I'm talking five, six years old, he would test the boundaries a little bit. And we would set the boundaries and then he would settle down and be great for, you know, quite some time. And then a little while later, he would test them again a little bit, you know, and then, and then settle down. It was like this pattern that we observed that it's almost like he's just checking, you know, and I'm sure it's subconscious, but if, if I get carried away with myself, is somebody there to, to check me, you know? And, and kids want that, you know, they, they want that instruction, they want that development. You know, I think there's something in all of us that want Yoda, you know, we want Yoda to teach us those cool skills and challenge us, right? You know, do or don't do. There is no try. And this is a picture, all of this is a picture of how Father God wants to work in our lives, the Heavenly Father. This, this is a picture, right? He wants us to know that He's loving and safe, and He wants us to, out of that safety, to be able, therefore, to open our hearts and cooperate with Him so He can de- develop us, which will sometimes be challenging, and, 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 and bring us into the destiny that He has for us. So your concept of the Father and and your ability to know how to relate to the Father determines so many things in your life. It's such a key. You know, I didn't, I don't think we learned this in school. Um, You don't necessarily even learn it in church. You know, you could come to church for a while. Who knows what the topics will be on a Sunday morning. But to start putting all of this together took me years uh, I knew I needed it. I, you, I, you know, I got stuck a lot, as, as I said. And so, I, you know, I, I've studied this for most of my adult life. I, I ended up writing two books on the subject, which are in the back. But um, this is really what I needed to do to try to figure out a way forward, you know, and not stay stuck. It's not fun, right? Not fun. 
Um, so seeing God's true nature as a loving father and knowing how to relate to him. So let's consider God's true nature for a few minutes. Um, so like I said, I came here in 86, and the pastor who was here preached a lot of grace, which was good, which was healing, uh, but I wanted something more. Yeah, that was almost too healing, you know, too gracey. Like I, so, I, so I was going to these other, I, I stayed here, but on the side, I went to these other meetings where they had some fiery sermons, which is why I just thought, you know, that's what I want. I, I, there was something in me, early 20s, where I would seek out hard preaching. And th there was like this thing in me, if I could just hear this hard, you know, yeah, have you been in the church where after the sermon, it, it almost feels like you got a spanking? You know, and, and, and there can be something twisted in us that it almost feels good. It's like, man, I, I knew I'd been messing up and I finally repented and now I can try hard and get it done. You know, so I went to these meetings, I sought out this hard preaching and I thought if I can just hear hard preaching long enough, enough of it, then I can finally be motivated enough to live holy and make God happy. And this was my mindset. And I remember in those meetings, one of the verses they would use is Genesis 6 with the flood, where God said, my spirit will not always strive with man. I'm like, whoa, I've probably gone too far. He's probably about done with me, most likely. You know, here I've been a Christian a couple of years, right? I've probably resisted to the point where he's no longer willing to strive with me and put up with my crap, you know? Probably. He doesn't always strive with man. That's what the guy said, right? And this is just how I thought of the father. And what's interesting is I wasn't raised in church. So it's not like I had a preacher that gave me these doctrines. It's just how I naturally thought about who God was. It just was in me, you know, from how I grew up and so forth. And so I would think, okay, I got to pray more. I got to fast more. Almost every day I would wake up and I'm going to really fast and pray today. And uh, all of a sudden I would start eating like I used to like Captain Crunch. And I would eat like this whole box of Captain Crunch cereal. And like, dang it, I didn't fast today. You know, and I'd feel super condemned because I ate the cereal and I didn't fast. And God's probably not, I'm sure he's not happy. Why would he be happy? And he's probably about to stop striving with me. And I'd feel super condemned. And then I would think, all right, the best thing to do is avoid God's presence for a while because he's mad. You know, and growing up, if dad was mad, that's what you did. You'd stay out of dad's way for a little while till he cools off, right? And so I would do this. And then a day or two would go by and I'm like, all right, you know, what other options are there for me? I need to go forward somehow. I'm, all right, I repent God and I buckle down and I'm going to try harder. I'm going to try even harder. Do you battle feelings of not being good enough for God? Or feeling like you have to somehow measure up, um, you know, for God to be happy with you, for his favor to be there in your life, his blessings to be there, or so he won't abandon you because you've blown it one too many times. Sometimes we can have this image of God, like he's the policeman in the sky and, and he's got his, you know, he's got his billy club and, he, and he's looking around, who sinned today? Did you? How about you? 
boop, you know, and just ready to bop us, you know. And, and the only thing that keeps the Father from, from doing that is loving Jesus, somehow protecting us from the Father's anger, wrath, and judgment. Hurry up and call on the name of Jesus who's loving before an fa angry Father comes and boop, you know, whaps you on the head with his billy club. Do you know that there is nothing you can do to cause God to love you any more than he already loves you? And there's nothing you can do to cause him to love you any less than he already loves you. He doesn't necessarily always like everything that I do, but he always likes me and he always likes you. And so religion based on fear is one of the reasons we end up viewing God as this angry father, this angry policeman in the sky. We, we hear preaching and teaching that presents God as a harsh taskmaster, you know, very serious, never laughing, ready to judge, you know, at the drop of a dime. And, you know, we have to measure up if we're going to be loved and accepted. I, I heard this comedian one time talking about growing up in church, and he said, we would sit there, and it was, it was a pew, my, my brother and I, and, and dad would sit next to us, and he'd have his arm around us like this in case we started acting up in, in, in church. And if my brother and I started laughing, his hand was right there with perfect aim to bop us on the back of the head. And he said, we'd start laughing and poop. And my dad would say, God don't find stuff funny, boy. God don't find stuff funny, boy. What does that say about the nature of God and who God is and what his character is like? What is that teaching a kid? That little example, right? I mean, I don't know if you probably wouldn't call that abuse. You know, I don't think he was hitting them that hard in the head. But that little statement, you know, you think about the purpose of creation. Did God really create the world and create mankind to have a people sufficiently afraid that when he says jump, they say how high? Is that what this whole deal is about? He wants sons, right? He wants daughters. He wants that relationship. John 3.16, right? The most famous verse. God so loved the world. Out of his love the world. Out of his love for you and I, he sent his only begotten son out of his love. Our earthly parents not being safe is another way that we can get an image of God where he's angry rather than a loving father. I, um, one time I, I had a chance to do counseling ministry with this pastor who was pretty famous and pretty well-known. Um, some of you would maybe even know his, his name. And very good preacher, very good speaker, very loved pastor, um, if you saw him, if you heard him. But what not a lot of people would know is he battled this anxiety disorder and battled all these kinds of fears. And he had found out about the Father's love and he had come to us for, for ministry and so I'm ministering to him and talking with him, and he's telling his story that he was raised in this holiness church, you know, very legalistic, all about the holiness and this kind of stuff. And this is the church that they went to, and he was raised in this church, and they would come home from church on Sunday, 
And he said, almost without fail, something would happen between my brothers and I. We'd start fighting or making too much noise or inevitably it would be something, you know, and then the beatings would start. And this was our, our normal, typical Sunday experience. And here's what's interesting. This parenting, this fathering did not produce holiness and maturity in this man. It produced an anxiety disorder. Does that make sense? No, they're hearing the teaching in church. He's going home and applying the, the beatings for holiness. He needed medication for an anxiety disorder. You cannot scare somebody into maturity. You cannot scare somebody into holiness. It's a natural fruit of love. When we know that we're loved and we know that we're secure, and because of that, we're not afraid to open our hearts and allow Father to work on the inside of us. You can't have intimacy with someone who you think is angry with you. It's impossible. Think about a husband and wife that have a big old fight right before they go to bed, right? Big old argument, and they, and they go to bed, and the wife is on her side of the bed at the very edge to the point of falling off, and the husband is over here on his side of his bed at the very edge to the point of falling off, and there is no warmth or intimacy between them because they just had this big old fight right before bed, right? You cannot have intimacy with someone who you think is angry with you. You cannot scare somebody into maturity. John 14, 2, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And the, the, the many mansions in the Greek means a family dwelling. There's a place in the family for you. Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place in my family for you. That was God's intent in creation, to have these sons and daughters where there's an intimate relationship based on love and on safety and teaching us cool skills, you know, if we can cooperate with him. John 14, 6 Jesus said to Thomas, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So Jesus was saying, hey, this whole thing is about the Father. My role isn't here protecting you from like this angry Father and I'm the only one in the Godhead who's loving. Right? No, I, I came to bring you to my Father who loves me and he also loves you and I want you to know that love. And I've made a place in the family for you. Right? There's one verse that says, when you've seen the Son, you've seen the Father. He's the express image of the Father, it says in Hebrews chapter 1. Right? Father is loving, just like Jesus is loving. So knowing God has a loving nature, and then number two, God desires to father us. God desires to interact with you and develop you and, and cause you to grow and come into a more intimate relationship with him and fulfill your destiny. In him. In, in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 7, if you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? So one time we had this group of pastors in Bulgaria, and I, we, I mentioned this, this verse, and you could see like visible pain on the face of every pastor sitting there as I read this verse. 
uh, because apparently the word chasten in um, Bulgarian, you know, the, the, the language there in Bulgaria was a very harsh and punishing and terrible word. And, and they just grimaced, you know, and like, oh, that verse. <laughs> but if you look it up in Greek, the, the, the word is paideia. It means nurture, instruction, and training. Nurture, instruction, and training is what the word actually means. So kind of like Cindy's dad, right? He, he's loving, um, but you're not going to whine and get out of working in the garden, right? right? The, the both things, there, there, there's instruction, there, there's, a, there's some correction, but it's, it's, it's done in love. It, it's, it's for your benefit to help you and grow you and, and raise you up. Listen to this, in Ephesians 6, 4, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. That word nurture is the same word in the Greek as chasten is in Hebrews 12. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? Correction, yes. Instruction, but nurture. It's a nurturing sense that's connected to it. God wants to develop you not as a judge, but as a father. You know, John Calvin very much saw God as a judge. He was a lawyer before he was a pastor. And, and, and so much of that expression of Calvinism is, is, you know, God's a judge, he's ready to judge, call on Jesus quick so he can protect you from the angry father. You know, there's that, there, there's that kind of sense of things. Um, but God's a father and he wants to father you. He doesn't want to be a judge to you. He wants to be a, a father to you. He wants you to help you learn to live in a family. I, I love Pastor James's vision of home. You know, Beach's Chapel is, is, is home. You know, so we're coming to this home where we can be in a family, even if you feel like, gee, in my childhood, I didn't have much of a family. I don't know that, but you can come here and experience that and learn to be a part of a family and work together in a family, you know? And not have to face things on your own, but have people who will stand with you in the challenges that you face, like a family, right? So I'm just going to just tell you real quick, you know, kind of an overview of, of some things we've been through that just give you this example. So Father has never quit striving with me. Many times he's brought me kicking and, and screaming uh, I haven't just immediately cooperated in, in many instances, and yet Father has always stuck with me, been incredibly gracious and kind and patient and loving. You know, we, we moved to the Dominican Republic in 1998, and our first year was very, very difficult. We spoke very little Spanish. We didn't know the culture, and I had this intense fear of being taken advantage of. And like the little moto taxis would charge me more than they would charge the regular people that live there in the town. One example, one small example, there are many. And I would freak out. You know, it was probably a, you know, 25 cents max or 10 cents or something. It wasn't like massive money, but it was the principle of the thing. <laughs> you know. And I'd yell with the little broken Spanish that I had. had no, they probably had no idea what I was even saying. And I'd wait for a different moto taxi who was fair and just and righteous. And just all these kinds of things happen in that first year, you know. And I'm supposed to be like the missionary there to love people. <laughs> you know, 
and these attitudes are coming out. And so we'd been there, maybe it was about a year or something like that. And there was one lady in the church, a lady and her husband, Chana and Tulio, who were really good friends of ours. And we would often sit in their backyard after church, drink coffee. And one day it came out, uh, Chana's birthday. And it turns out her birthday is two days later than mine. So we were born in the same year, two days apart. And it was just the cover, you know, just a casual conversation we were having. And I got home, and for some reason, that thought just stuck with me. You know, wow, we're the same age, two, day, two days apart. You know, and I knew at that point her story, how she grew up. You know, her father was a subsistence farmer, you know, grew up very poor and so forth. And I just thought, wow, two people that came into the world pretty much at the same time, but with vastly different experiences, very, very different childhoods. And, and you know, I had this crazy alcoholic drug dealing dad, you know, and she had a subsistence farmer, you know, father and married very, very young to, to an older man, which is very, very common in these Dominican villages and, and so forth. And just all these different experiences. And somehow God used that to really open my heart in a deeper way to compassion and, and just love and, and, and a deeper understanding of differences, of how we were raised and cultural differences. And, and, and you know, not to be so quick, you know, just to judge things. And more, more things happen than that, but, you know, that gives you an idea of some of the things God was doing in me as this, the, you know, like Yoda, you know, doing the cool, you know, trying to teach me some cool skills, you know, and, and trying to develop me and mature me, you know, in his love through the challenges that I was facing, you know. And I, I over time, I reached the point where I had such a deep love uh, for Dominicans, which I, we still have to this, to this day. And such patience, you know, we, we, it's not often that we, we, you know, I don't have the patience like, like it was so common in, in those. In fact, I think I'm less patient in traffic here sometimes uh, than, than I am there or, or whatever. And then there came a point where we had to lay our entire ministry down. In 2002, we had to move back to the States. And it's a long story, but we ran into some issues with the government there because we were doing a government-funded uh, medical outreach that became very political, very long story. But, you know, all of a sudden we're back here and we had to lay everything down, everything, the church, everything that we've done there, all of it. And, and we thought, wow, you know, maybe ministry is over. You know, we didn't know. And I want to say I shared a little bit of this last time. But um, that's right when we met Jack Frost who was a pioneer in the Father's Love movement. And he began to mentor me and, and, and kind of really the, the first, you know, other than the short time of Cindy's dad, like a fathering type figure who really took an interest in me and, and really mentored me and, and taught me many things. And, and it was just absolutely life-changing to, to travel with Jack. And Jack sent us all over the world holding these conferences on the Father's Love with, with pastors and so forth. And then in 2007, Friday, two days ago, 2007, this past Friday, Jack passed away from lung cancer. 
And so that was an extremely hard time. You know, I had had about seven years with Jack at that point. So I had a good amount of time with him, and I felt good. I felt so much more healed, so much more equipped, and so forth. But still, you know, this was the one guy I thought, man, this is the, you know, the guy who's been truly kind to me, you know, and really took an interest in me, and he's gone, and so forth. Anyway... As we transitioned, you know, Shiloh Place, you know, kind of, you know, it's not the ministry today that it was when Jack was, was still alive and, and so well-known and, and so forth. Um, we worked in the Philippines for a while, and now we're back in the Dominican Republic. So it's like we've come full circle, and, and it's just so amazing that we're going and working with these groups of pastors in the Dominican Republic it's like we went on this long journey because there was a whole bunch of stuff we had to learn and get healed from. And now we've come back around to the Dominican Republic, much more equipped and much more healed. And again, um, I didn't necessarily handle Jack's passing in, in the best possible way uh, with no attitude and, you know, well, you know, blessed be God's name and, and you know. Everything's great, and, you know, I think I pitched a fit for a good year. Um, <laughs> you know, all these things happen, right? But, but if, if, we, if we stay open and allow God to work and be that father, if we can trust that he loves us and there's a security in him, you know, then we'll allow him to bring the correction, even if, you know, not the first week or the second week, or the third week. But, but overall, we allow him to do that work in us. We end up coming into what he has for us, and we grow, and we mature. And so we were just down in the Dominican Republic uh, this last weekend, and it was so amazing working with these pastors. It's so fulfilling. I, I just feel so blessed and, and privileged you know, these guys were sitting with this group of pastors. So we have four levels, just to briefly tell you a little bit about what we do. We do an introductory level one on the Father's love, which is, you know, what is the Father's love, how it sets you free from striving and from fear and from competition and, and these kinds of things. Then we have a level two, which is healing uh, life's hurts in the father's love, mother issues, father issues, the woundings we may have. And then we have a level three, which is sonship, and which is kind of what we're talking about right now, how to live a fathered life, how to, how to cooperate and relate to the father and allow him to work in us. And then we have a level four, which is how to minister the father's love. And so that's a smaller group that we do that with. So we might have a hundred pastors, you know, sometimes on some of these other levels, but this will just be a handful of pastors who have been through all the other three levels and they have an interest in ministering this themselves. That's kind of what we're looking for. So we're sitting with these guys all weekend, all day, Friday night, all day Saturday, all day Sunday. And we're doing the level four and we're just sharing with each other. These are guys with 20 years of experience in the ministry as pastors. You know, most of them are roughly our, our age. And just hearing their stories and, and hearing them open up it was just incredible. This one pastor was telling the story where his son-in-law shot his daughter four times with a 38. 
And they're like, holy cow. And, and she lived. She, she went to, to the emergency room. And he's just telling the story that's just blowing us away. He said, you get to the emergency room and the doctor asks about money before they'll start working on her. I'm like, wow. And he finds the money and, and they operate. And she's got four different bullet wounds and she lives. And then the son-in-law's family offers a large amount of money for him to just drop everything. And, and then the guy would not go to jail if he would take this large sum of money. And he said no to that. He said no to that, even though it would have been significant money that would have really changed some things in his life. Then he had a few friends in the street from his pre-Christian days who knew a couple guys inside prison and said, we can take care of this now. And so he got tempted in that way. He got tempted in that way. He did not take them up on their offer either. <laughs> And then some time went by and he felt convicted by God's love and he went to the prison and he met with the guy and he said, I forgive you. And he led him to the Lord and the guy got saved. And, um, you know, just, just an amazing thing. The guy ended up doing nine years in, in prison. So this was like after a year, so he had eight more years in prison, which is a fairly short amount of time for what he did. Uh, you know, but the, the God's love just changed this pastor's life, you know, that he could do that. The daughter got completely healed, went back to school, became a lawyer, and married another man who also had become a lawyer. So her and her husband, her, the husband she has now, not the guy in prison, are, are both lawyers. And, and this guy's continued on to be a pastor all these years. But the, just their stories are incredible. And, and the other stories that some of the other ones were saying you know, this one guy, you know, his father's had two families his whole life. And even to this day, his father has an accounting firm and he's an accountant and he works for his dad. Uh, but his dad lives with this other lady, even though he's still married to the guy's mom. And this is not uncommon. You know, this is not uncommon. And the, they, the, the, these pastors would trust us to share these stories with us is amazing to me. It's amazing, and I'm privileged, and, and it's, it's incredible. And this is stuff that absolutely is not talked about in the church in the Dominican Republic. These are not topics of discussion, right? And so when these guys can go into churches and share these kinds of stories with the, their congregations and so forth, you know, amazing healing can occur because most of them went through stuff like that, most of them you know, have these stories of, of, of abuse. And so, you know, I'm sharing my story with you, but you have your story, right? You have the things God's called you to. And, and, and I'm sure that every one of you could get up here and say, yeah, you know, I, I've had some challenges too, because that's life, right? You know, I mean, you think, well, everything's great right this moment. And, you know, they all say, give us some time. <laughs> the challenges come, right? They do. And if we can trust the Father, if we can see he's loving, he's not there as a judge with his billy club, but he's loving and he cares for you and he wants to help you and develop you and teach you cool skills, you know, that can in turn help other people, right? And, 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 and there's fulfillment in that and there's a sense of destiny in that, 
You know, what am I doing, you know, sharing about fathering, you know, from the childhood I had? Like, you know, God, what was your plan here? Like, this is not an obvious choice, right? (laughs) And so God has an amazing plan for every one of us that's a perfect fit for how he created you and the gift things that he gave you and the things that he's brought you through. So I want to pray with you. If we could have the worship team come. I just want to pray with you for a few minutes. I just ask you to close your eyes. I'm just going to pray right where you're seated. I'm sure that there's some of you here that either your, your earthly father's example of what fathering looks like or possibly what church in times past has represented to you of, of who the Father is like. It's colored your understanding of God's nature. And maybe you've struggled to, maybe you've battled condemnation and struggled feeling like, do you measure up? Father wants to touch that this morning. So Father, I just pray that your healing would go out right now to every person. Father, anybody struggling with condemnation, I break it in the name of Jesus. I break it off you now in the name of Jesus. There is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation. Maybe it's coming to mind a sermon you heard, a a pastor that you previously sat under, you know, someone that just really communicated an angry God and you wanna let that go. All you have to do is say, God, I choose to let that go right now. That pastor, he was on his own journey, trying to make his way through life. He saw you as angry. But God, I see that you're loving and I let go of that. I I break that from my life. I don't receive that influence anymore that you're angry. You're just walking around looking to bop somebody on the head but you're a loving father who's engaged with his children so God I forgive that minister who taught me that you were angry in Jesus name there may be I'm sure there's some of you here also that you had a father you know wasn't exactly like Cindy's Maybe he wasn't as patient. Or maybe he wasn't scary, but he was absent. And he taught you some things about the nature of the Heavenly Father that just aren't true. Can you let that go this morning as well? You just tell the Heavenly Father right where you're seated. I forgive my dad. I let it go. He also was on his own journey trying to find his way through life. There's no perfect fathers. There's no perfect mothers. We're not trying to demonize parents this morning. We're simply trying to look at our own heart reactions and let them be in line with our Heavenly Father. Take wrong judgments to the cross. God, I forgive my earthly father. 
He couldn't give me what had never been given to him. I forgive him. There may be a couple of you here, maybe a grandparent is coming to mind, maybe an uncle or a stepfather is coming to mind. It wasn't so much the influence of your, your you know, the, the, your birth father. Same thing, God, I choose to forgive that person. I choose to let that go. And God, I ask you to fill my heart with who you really are. You so love the world that you gave your son. That Jesus prepared a place in your family for every one of us, for me. That through Jesus, I might come to you and know you as my heavenly father. Finally, would you pray, God, I choose to receive you as my loving father. I choose to receive you as a loving father, as my loving father. And God, it's scary if I think too far ahead and all the work that feels like you need to do in me. But God, I choose to put one foot in front of the other. God, as much as I'm able, I open my heart to what you want to do today. Whatever the step is that is in front of me, Father, help me. Help me. I want to cooperate with you. I want to grow. I want to see the challenges in my life like you see them. And know that you're with me. I feel like that's a word from the Father for you this morning. I'm with you, says your Heavenly Father. You are not alone and you are not abandoned. I never leave you and I never forsake you. I am with you, says your Father. I'm with you. You're the apple of my eye. I am with you. I am not disappointed in you. I am not put out with you. You haven't made one too many mistakes. I'm with you and I love you and I bless you.